He's Akili Nazuri. I'm Reggie Bailey. Welcome to Books of Pop Culture. Akili, how you feeling? Hey, man, my hair's itching. You know, I'm reading books. Life is great. You know? <laughs> what are we? Uh, we we're we almost two months into this lock thing. You know, it's starting to feel like a, a way of life. Uh, I'm, I'm I guess I'm blessed and highly flavored. You know, how, how are you? How are you doing? Hey, man, you know, after after the last game, quote unquote, when people saw me, man. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit better, man. Yes, yes, you a little sound, bit better. Yes. <laughs> so, um, you know, excited to excited to lace them up again, bro. Yes. You know. Yes. Thank you to the fellowship, first and last time viewers, first and last time listeners, and everyone in between, because you could be anywhere in the world, but you are here with us. We do not take that lightly. So, thank you, truly. And and there are so many places where you can, um, you know, take in books of pop culture like YouTube. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, I mean, you name it, right? And on those places, you can do things that we like, such as subscribe to us, follow us, like us, you can comment, you can download, you can leave a review, um, and you can share with your friends, family, physicals, and digital communities. Um, We would love it if you did like all the above on any of these places. Um, You may have noticed also initially I shouted out the fellowship as our um, the community, right, that, that we speak to first, right? And that's because that's Books of Pop Culture's amazing Patreon community. It's one that Achille and I biasly and objectively believe to be the best in bookish communities. You can join that community and support BAPC, right? And by doing that, you support the most dynamic of duos in the bookish landscape. You receive access to bonus BAPC, BAPC content every month, and you get us one step closer to doing Books of Pop Culture for a Living. You can support by going to patreon.com slash books of pop culture. Killy, another week, another special guest, man. Very special guest. Yeah. Very special book, right? Yes. Um, our, our guest today is the winner of the Paris Review's 2020 Plimpton Prize for Fiction. He's a recipient of the 2020 National Endowment for Arts Literature Fellowship. His story, Under the Aki Tree, was among the trio that won the 2020 ASME Award for Fiction and was subsequently included in the Best American Magazine Writing of 2020. His stories have appeared everywhere, like in places such as Oprah Daily, Electric Literature, Passages North, and many other places. He's taught creative writing and seminars on the writer's life at Stanford University, the University of Minnesota, the Center for Fiction, Ten House, Rise in Progress, and Grub Street in Boston, where, as former staff, he founded the Boston Writers of Color Group. He has received support and honors from many places, such as Bread Loaf Writers Conference, um, Aspen Words, the Anderson Center, right? He's a graduate of the University of Minnesota's Creative Writing MFA program. He's a fellow at USC, University of Southern California's PhD in Creative Writing and Literature program, and is also a Wallace Stegner Fellow at Stanford University. Our well-accomplished and well-decorated guest of today is Jonathan Escoffery, and we'll be talking to him about his debut story collection, If I Survive You, after this quick break. So Jonathan, I promise you, this, this question I'm going to ask you is not my attempt to 
add on to the diaspora wars, right? But I have to ask you if Jamaican writers think they're better than us. And the only reason <laughs> I have to legitimately ask you this is because y'all don't miss, right? <laughs> like, like if I survive you is 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 awesome, right? Then you got a brief history of seven killings. So I'm just going off like what I've read, right? Mm-hmm. Um August Town, Patsy, Here Comes the Sun, These Ghosts of Family, um, and Olive Grove and Ends, if you want to talk about authors of Jamaican like descent, right? Just the Jamaican diaspora. And really and truly, right? I'm, I'm keeping it specific to Jamaica because of, of you, right? But I really could ask this of just Caribbean authors because if I want to extend it to folks I've read from Cuba, from mm-hmm. you know, the Virgin Islands, right. even Dominican Republic, right? The Caribbean mm-hmm. just doesn't mm-hmm. miss, right? Barbados, right? Mm-hmm. But I have to ask, you know, do you all, making <laughs> authors, do y'all think y'all are better than us? And if so, not even if so, why do y'all why think do y'all, y'all think are better than us? <laughs> <laughs> Y'all, y'all trying to get me beat up, <laughs> beat up out, out on the road, man. No, like to me, we're all we're all part of the same family. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? We're we're all part of the same tradition in a sense. You know, we're all part of that that larger diaspora, yeah. and so that's how I kind of look at it. Um, and I, I'm glad you you did mention those those other islands too. I learned a lot from reading. Jamaican authors, but also, especially as someone who's the son of Jamaicans who was born in the U.S., I, you know, the, the, the book is about being, in a sense, Jamaican, but being Jamaican-American and how you deal with the two, cult, multiple cultures, you know, I could say two, but it, it kind of goes beyond that, I think, yeah. when I'm, when I have a character who's dealing with uh, the culture of a place like Miami, and then he goes to the Midwest, and it's like, it's a totally you know, different culture that he has to deal with and the way people are dealing with him and his, uh, essentially his presentation, his body, his his blackness, his uh, multi-generational mixedness in a sense. Um, and uh, I learned a lot from reading uh, a lot of Cuban American authors, uh, Dominican authors, um, and, and definitely, you know, Jamaican authors um, in terms of like, you know, see, I mean, on, on the other hand, <laughs> yeah, Jamaicans are the best. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not really going there. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I mean, the Jamaican, I'll say this, man, the Jamaicans came through for me, uh, Marla James, um, Nicole Dennis-Ben, you know, mm-hmm. they came through with those blurbs, they came through yeah. with the love, right, right, I'm, I love that, that Nicole's mm-hmm. on on the cover, you know, and yeah. um, her reading her books taught me so much about how to capture the language um, and like the pathos of uh, uh, Jamaican people um, on the page. Uh, and then obviously bringing in my life experience to, to the page as well. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. It's just really dope. Like, you know, there's there's always stereotypes, especially when it comes to people of African descent, man. We deal with that. And not to say we're the only ones, you know, I mean, in any race that that isn't white for real. Um, mm-hmm. when, when you see any art about them, especially art that seems to be like highly successful. Right. There's always some stereotype, some predictability, um, you know, that that comforts like, you know, uh, white audiences, we, we could assume because it's, it's clearly not there to comfort us. 
right? And, and what y'all do, <laughs> um, you know, so well, like you and, and just the other authors I named, right? Um, and even authors I didn't name necessarily, but just who I alluded to, you know, y'all show like, hey, look, we, we complex everywhere, man. Humanity is just mm-hmm. complex everywhere. Um, and, it, and it's just important that, you know, you do tell this kind of story when it comes to um, Jamaican folk, right? Because even for me in the books I read, I know a, a brief history of Seven Killing has like a little dive into Miami, right? But, you know, this like is really there, right? And then not to mention the Midwest piece as well. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just really appreciate that, you know, y'all are continuing to uh, tell these stories. That's that's a long-winded way, I guess, of saying that. Yeah. I wasn't going to say anything as deep as uh, Reggie. I was just going to say I was worried that that question was um, like in the Stephen Curry school of answers, but it was good to see it end in Draymond Green's when yeah. you're like, Jamaicans are the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. I, I, I'm, I'm hoping I can clip that up and just put that little bit out there in no contact. <laughs> just see like how people yeah, react to it. <laughs> Y'all gonna get me canceled within the community. <laughs> uh, but but I mean I've been placed I, I was I remember I was in a I was in college I was in a Harlem Renaissance class that was the, that was the name of the class and um, it, it was being taught by a Jamaican professor and um, it, it just like the makeup of the class just so happened to have like a, a lot of Caribbean or you know maybe second generation Caribbean students and a lot of black American students. And there was one student who she, she like, it, it seemed like she really wanted to ask this all semester and like, you know, midway through the semester, she raises her hand and she's like, can I be real? Can I ask this question? Why do Jamaicans think they're better than us? <laughs> and I was like, oh shit, like this is, <laughs> this is going down. Um, and I, you know, I loved what the, what the professor said, which is like really, really the, the the you know it sticks it sticks with me which is that um like jamaicans can only like come here and take part in our society as we insofar as we do um because of the the groundwork that that black americans african americans have have put, put put down but but then there's also not necessarily as clear a divide or you know a dividing line as we sometimes think when you think about like the marcus garvey's or mm-hmm. you know people who are there's always been this this movement back and forth and so like a book like mine is interested in that question of you know my, my you know with, with chelani's parents chelani being kind of my main character of my book um they come to the U.S. and they have these very these attitudes of we are Jamaicans, and and then they have a son who is going to be moving through the world as a as a Black American, and and even Trelawney's mom, after twenty odd years, she's like, I as a Black woman might try my try to find my fortunes elsewhere, which is yeah, you know yeah. back in the back in on the island, or you know we kind of follow that thread, see where that goes. But um, I I mean to me, there's there's we're at our best when we're you know moving together um as a as a as an african diaspora how are you doing genuinely jonathan and when we say genuinely um you know if you got trapped gas if you know if the thermostat is too high 
Yeah. <laughs> your football team um, is the only football team that didn't score a touchdown uh, last Monday. You know, just how are you <laughs> doing genuinely? You know? Yeah. Um. I got I got sore knees because I'm tall and I'm I'm okay. kind of in the middle of book tour, so I've been flying uh, across the country. Mm. I got back from St. Louis um, like just about yesterday, and I'll be flying down to Miami in a couple days. Um, and I love it, but them, those planes aren't meant for tall people. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. keep trying to up. I'm like, take my money, I will upgrade. I can't really afford first class, but. If you give me a exit row, I, I promise to try to save as many people as possible and get that door open. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Um, otherwise, you know, it's 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 all pretty it's all pretty good for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I lost my pops uh, last month. I will say that, and so oh. I'm like I'm I'm like balancing the really uh, phenomenal response to the book with like grim personal family stuff. But yeah. trying to honor, you know, both as I know he would have uh, wanted me to do. Yeah. So really, um, trying to experience it uh, all, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, not 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 have too much like um, repression of any one emotion because it's, it's mm -hmm. gonna come. I'm gonna have to face it at some point. So yeah. trying to just you know allow space for for both moments Absolutely. as much as I can. Absolutely. Yeah. Love, love, yeah. Yeah. And you know, love and light is Achilles to yeah, say, yeah. you know, to your um to your family and and to be honest, that's why we ask it too, right? Yeah. Um I always like like when I get into like yours, I always think of Damon Young's, right? Because that's like mm -hmm. I think when we first used the question and mm -hmm. he answered it genuinely too and talked about how when we ask that question, we lie. Or when we mm -hmm. when we answer that yeah. question, mm -hmm. yeah. We, yeah, we yeah. lie all the time. We never tell the truth, right? So that that's why it's important for us to insert that genuinely there mm -hmm. so you can in this space, if you have no other space to say how you're really feeling, <laughs> you know, we, we try to present that here. So thank yeah. you. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. Right. yeah. No problem at all. Um, so my my favorite question to ask, and, and, and you all tend to give great answers here, and I, and I appreciate this. Um mm -hmm. What is the important, the most important lesson you've learned about the business of writing, right? And I, I especially like asking you this because when I think of this question in you, I think of the fact that, you know, not only did you come out with a short story collection, my favorite genre, by the way, but you came out with a linked collection. And I'm wondering when I ask this, and, and I guess what I'm doing here is, is, uh, providing the loads when they say there's a loaded question, I'm providing <laughs> the loads that accompany this this question when I ask it. Right? Um, I want to know if there was pressure to link the collection. I, I want to know, you know, did you want to write a novel? And I want to learn even just about the fact that you know, hey, you have a story in here that is award winning. How specifically does like you being a short story writer affect your journey through, uh, I guess, this game. Mm, yeah, that's a great question. I, li I like how you 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 framed that. Um, uh, something I, I I have come to appreciate about the the journey I've been on is that as a story writer, I've been 
allowed in a sense to slowly build a career that is allowed that has allowed me to be received by you know bigger publishing um with a kind of positive reaction that i don't think i would have gotten had i just shown up with a a, a novel um on day one like winning that plimpton prize really it had a lot of people knocking on my my door before I actually ever went out with the manuscript. And so um, it's interesting when you win a, a story contest. So I won a story contest with Passages North. And what happened there is that a lot of magazine editors started to get in touch. Um, some agents got in touch and they would say, you know, could you, um, you know, would you like to uh, keep us in the know in terms of you know, if it was an agent, they were like, you know, do you have a, a bigger project you want to send to us? Um, if it were a magazine, they'd say, what other stories can you send us? But when I won the Plimpton Prize, it was like, uh, you know, executive directors of publishing at whatever publishing house or um, it was people in charge of, of publishing houses uh, who were getting in charge. Uh, sorry, getting in touch um, with either directly to me or, you know, I. I I already had a, an agent for a while at that point. So, you know, and, and I try to post her name elsewhere so that, you know, people can just get in, in contact with her um, when when that's what makes more sense. And, and she started building a list from there for people who were already kind of in touch. Um, I think it's I think it's important for story writers to remember that, like, that's a, a route that can be really fruitful for us because you can build that you can kind of play that longer game where you're you're racking up these little um, accolades that get bigger and bigger in a sense. You can publish in places where, um, you know, people are going to see your work and, and read your work. And I know back in the day, it was like, I just want to be in print. And now it's like, it's so much better just to be online where people can actually access your writing. More people will see you. Um, you, you, you may not go viral, but you'll go like, you might get like a lot of hits on Twitter or something like that. And people start adding you to their kind of must read list. Um, when, you know, like five, five to 10 years ago, for me, I really wanted it fast. You know, I really thought I'm gonna write this, even this book, when I, when I kind of stumbled upon these characters, I thought I'm gonna write a novel. And I, I kind of discovered them right before I was um, applying to my MFA programs and I um, say my programs, <laughs> applying to programs, you know, one of which I, I went to at the University of Minnesota. And when I was there, I thought, well, like I'm gonna bang this thing out in, in the three years that I have to be here. And, you know, it's gonna be on bookshelves, uh, you know, maybe a year after, <laughs> after I graduate. Mm -hmm. It didn't go that way, um, not at all. And um, my professors told me it wasn't going to go that way. That way, um, but I thought, well, I'm special, <laughs> and so, yeah. um, so it, you know, I had to face like some harder realities and start take a step back and start taking it, you know, uh, 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 in a sense of story at a time, trying to figure out like, can you just write a good story, like a really good story, just a story? Can you just focus on that and um, and 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 also connect with the joy of writing and revising and figuring out what I actually want to talk about and um, and just kind of playing you know playing with the the stories playing with the characters playing with the language and um, and the more I kind of let expectations go uh, 
the more I enjoyed the process and also the more the process started to kind of pay me back. Um, and so I, you know, I think as story writers, if, if we, if you, if you just find that you naturally are a story writer and it's, and that's where you, that's kind of the playground you want to play in, um, you know, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to like threaten yourself. You don't have to be like me and say, you know, if it's not sold this year, I'm going to climb up on my roof and yeah, <laughs> throw myself yeah. off a building yeah. or something like that. I had a, a, a writer friend, an author friend tell me, like, I think when I first got my agent, um, I thought, you know, it's going to be this easy ride towards publication. And she kind of has all the knowledge um, that I need to like move forward. And I'm going to have these, uh, I don't know, guides. Yes, which I did have a guide, but I thought I was going to kind of relinquish like the decision making. And it, 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 thankfully, like very quickly, my friend was like, like, no, nah, you, you need to hang on to the reins at every step forever after <laughs> yeah and to me and to me that's been like the best advice i ever got was keep keep your hands on the steering yeah. wheel as much as possible because nobody really knows what your vision is except for you and nobody know no, no one's been like exactly where you've been um no one has the exact frame of reference and um i think at every stage like the more involved i am i notice like the the better the results. And part of that is just going to be because, you know, perception is reality in, in some ways. So it's like you wanted it to go a certain way. And if you put your, keep your hands on your, on the wheel, like largely you'll, um, you know, you'll, you'll be the ones staring it, staring this car, this metaphorical car, <laughs> this career towards, um, you know, what it is that you want. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there are, you also trust your team though. Don't, you know, don't, don't think um, maybe you know more than your publicist when your publicist actually has all the connections at the good places. <laughs> don't, don't let me give you the advice where you're going to you know, turn into a diva and start saying, no, actually, you know, I'll write the New York Times. You don't write. You know, that's, that's, not, that's, not, that's not at all what I'm saying, people. But what I'm saying is like you, you, you know, you, you've read everything you've read, right? And you're, and you can't. It's not reasonable to expect that people on your team have read what you've read. And so when you're trying to attempt something on the page, you understand how it's been done before. You're, you're the one who's involved in those conversations, um, and so you know, like when you're, uh, hopefully, like you're, you're having a particular conversation on the page in a story, and you know what traditions you want to kind of be a part of can you provide us your synopsis or elevator pitch of what this book is about and let us know the inspiration behind it? Yeah, it's, it's about a, a family of Jamaicans who moved to Miami. Um, uh, it's two parents, uh, Sonia and Topper, and their infant son, Delano, moved to Miami from Kingston. And it's in Miami that they have their second son, Trelawney. And the family is kind of dealing with the um, acclimation or the kind of rough acclimation to living in the U.S. after having been, in a sense, middle-class Jamaicans who for a time had it kind of well. The reason that they leave the U.S. is not necessarily any idea of upward mobility. It's more about the turbulent times that um, happened in, in Kingston in the 1970s that, um, you know, that had a, a lot of... Um, political uh, sources in a, in a sense, the, the political turmoil that led to a lot of violence that, were, that was happening in, in the streets. 
and they decide to leave uh, for the safety of the family. And for much of the book we're following, we, we do follow different members of the family. The person, the character who gets the most page time is Chalani, who as the American born son in this uh, family of Jamaicans kind of has a difficult time figuring out where it is that he belongs. And he, you know, I think to, to me, I see him as a character who just really wants to uh, find belonging and find acceptance and find love but he has a very difficult time finding any of those things. And at different times in the book, he's leaning into different uh, aspects of his identity in a sense. And sometimes he's leaning a little bit too hard and it's, it's a little bit comical as he's yeah. um, at times he's performing blackness in these kinds of ridiculous ways. Um, at times he's performing Jamaicanness in these ridiculous ways. And at one point where he, he, he comes to believe that his parents made a very big mistake in moving the family from Jamaica. And so he, he, he believes he's going to maybe marry back into his Jamaicanness, and he's going to um, basically move back to Kingston and put the island, or sorry, put the U.S., I should say, um, in the rearview mirror. And, and he hopes that the U.S. or living in the U.S. will be a bad memory. Um, and what he does, what he actually finds is that the more he tries to take ownership over his Jamaicanness and lay a claim to his Jamaicanness, um, the, the more he, he falls out with his, with his own family and particularly with his father who kind of puts him out in the streets <laughs> in a sense, uh, because of something that Shalani does. And, um, he, he spends the rest of the book kind of trying to figure out, uh, you know, how to, how to find his way back into, uh, having a roof over his head in the, in the most, you know, material, literal ways. But he's also, again, trying to, trying to I guess, prove himself worthy of, of anyone's love in a yeah, sense, yeah. which is maybe not the, you know, maybe maybe that isn't how he should be looking at it. Maybe he needs to find uh, love within first. But but he's, he's out there looking and he's taking a lot of uh, odd, uh, funny, dangerous jobs in the meanwhile. And when we get to kind of follow him on those adventures. More than to be cowardly and disloyal though, it's shameful to be foreign. If you learn anything during your short, res your short residence on earth, you've learned this. So typically right here, I insert a question about an epigraph, right? But in the case of if I survive you, I decided to include this early lesson learned during uh, Trelawney's uh, travails, I'll say, right? Mm -hmm. Can you can you speak to us about the shame a lot of Trelawney's early peers wanting him to feel, uh, wanted him to feel for existing and how that lived an interesting life alongside the pride that he felt deep down for being born in America? Yeah, I mean, to, to me, I look at it this way, like he... I mean, well, for one, he's he's getting this message from from his classes, and uh, you know, at one point it stated, you know, uh, basically American exceptionalism is the lesson plan, right? It's like the mantra that he gets drilled with day in, day out, and he, as this kind of younger person, he's he 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 doesn't quite know how he's going to grow up to be received in the world. Um, but what he knows is this kind of blind patriotism that he's being taught uh, within school. And it's, it's, it's a kind of rude awakening for him when he 
discovers that he actually isn't the United States favored son. He's, he's not perceived as the all American boy. <laughs> and he has to, he has to kind of grapple with that. Like, like, Oh shit. Like it doesn't matter if I was born in the U S I am essentially treated as foreign um, in a sense, you know, and I'm, I could use the, the scare quotes there. Like I'm a, I, I don't quite belong in the way that I thought I did. And, and it's not, it's not because it's not just, I should say, because his, uh, his parents have emigrated from another country. It's like, you know, he could have been here for, for, for several generations and he would still, I think, feels, you know, a lot of that. He feels it in a, a particular way being the, the son of Jamaicans, but, um, so there's a time where, when, you know, his neighborhood children are kind of making fun of his parents, Jamaican accents and, and stuff like that. He's, he thinks that he can distance himself from that Jamaicanness and say, no, I'm, I'm, but I'm American. Yeah. Um, and then he, he, you know, discovers otherwise in a, in a sense. Um, and that's when he, he tries to, you know, he figures if he can't be that ideal you know, son of of of, Amer of America. If he can't, if he's never going to be this blonde hair, blue eyed white boy, right? <laughs> so maybe he can be the ideal Jamaican. Um, you know, that's that's one of the things he he thinks, and um, but he he finds he finds trouble with that as as well, um, as you know, and he he tries to put on a, a Jamaican accent that he he really can't sustain and can't convince other Jamaicans of. Um, uh, he tries to do the thing where, you know, he shows up everywhere with the, the Jamaican flag headbands and wristbands and all that. And, you know, it's, it's a, it's a comical, um, it's a comical thing, I think. Um, but he, he, he has to, he has to find, you know, who he's going to be at, at some point and find some kind of peace with himself. And um, I think we, you know, we follow him on that, that journey anyway as he as he attempts to because you know part of his problem is that no matter what he claims people it's it's not all just his misunderstanding of of the world i think he would have a better understanding if his parents had understood early on what it meant to be black in america but he, yeah. they never give him that lesson or they never give and they're incapable because they're they're so brand new to the country themselves they don't know um but had they said Hey, sit down, son. <laughs> we know you're six years old. You're nine years old. You're twelve years old. Whatever age, this is how things work in in, in the U.S. Um, he'd have a little bit more of a like sure-footed um, uh, start to 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 life, really. I think, um, but he he does not get those things because his parents um, they're they're not on that that page. They don't really. Um, fully understands uh, the the context when he's being asked, "What are you?" Um, and, and day in day out, and um, and so he's he's kind of uh, alone in in that journey, um, which is you know I think that leaves him in a very lonely place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you know it's it's interesting you talk about just the the comical aspect of it, right? Because the the conversations around race like had me like laughing out loud. There's multiple scenes where race is just hilarious in this work, right? And I really like that you mentioned like what I was calling the overcompensation that he eventually mm -hmm. does, where he tries to, you know, be like black American, right? Then he tries mm -hmm. to be 
Jamaican instead of just being it, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I think a lot of us do that though in a lot of interesting mm-hmm. ways, right? Because like like for example, I live in Delaware, I'm from Virginia, Kelly lives in Mississippi, right? And I'm pretty sure there are some people who have left Mississippi, for example, and they move somewhere, we'll say California, right? Just to make it easy. And all they're doing in California is showing how they're from Mississippi. And I mm. think it's it's interesting how that plays out in If I Survive You um, and just, you know, Trelawney um, in particular. When, what you were just saying, Reggie, and this might be something that you've experienced, Jonathan, I'm not sure, but because um, hurricanes take uh, like a, a precedence in the story. And, and a lot of times down here, <clears throat> hurricanes move people around. Right. Um, and it, it moved people around here. But but that that thing that Reggie's talking about, like New Orleans, people get a little bit more, you know, it, it get about five more. You heard me's in there than they had previously. Uh, you know, you might get 65 babies. Right. So, that yeah, I, I do feel that. I think that's something, too, that I've been thinking about, too. And this is. It's kind of on guard with where my question is, but I, I, I guess I'll add it out there first. But I think that's something that the that Topper is getting at, right? When when he comes when he comes back, right? Uh, and and Topper's talking about him listening to the music, and he was like, "Your granddaddy wouldn't have been listening. You think he let it mm-hmm. around him, right?" And I think yeah. what what what's going on there possibly, right, is there's this triple consciousness. That mm-hmm. that Trelawney finds himself in, where they have their race, but then there's a certain in betweenness as far as their ethnicity is concerned, which is like mm-hmm. defined as you know a state of belonging to a social group that has a common nat- national a cultural tradition. So, mm-hmm. like, why was exploring the ins and outs of the Jamaican ethnicity as it relates to being born on the island and those born away? Why was that important to kind of explore for you? That's a good question. I think for me, when I was trying to write, I mean, you'd asked, uh, you all had asked earlier, like the impetus for the book or the inspiration. And for me, I always wanted to be a writer. Um, And as a teenager and as someone in his early 20s, I would write these really like blank protagonists, these, Mm -hmm. these characters who had no like origins or they had no uh culture they had really nothing but i was gonna just like plug them into some kind of plot that i thought was kind of clever and um and part of that i think was that i you know at that point there was to to, you know unless i'm getting my 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 dates wrong like some of the some of those jamaican authors we've been talking about or Mm -hmm. had talked about earlier um you know, I hadn't I hadn't read any of that because I don't think any of that was out yet. Um, I'm not saying there weren't Jamaican authors, especially yeah, like yeah. back in Jamaica. Um, but when you're growing up in the, you know, I grew up in Florida, and I, I always have to watch myself for crapping on on Florida too much because I, I am from there and I do go back there. Um, but my, <laughs> you know, like we didn't read it, we weren't reading any of that. And even as a, you know, I grew up in this majority minority city. Um, full of Caribbean people, and we didn't read any Caribbean authors throughout high school and 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 throughout most of college. You know, you had to find yeah. that kind of elective that might fit within your your English major or whatever, um, 
whatever your major was. And so for me, it was like a really, it felt like a leap of the imagination to even write characters like these. And so for me, I, I wanted to, the way I, I could conceptualize it eventually was figure that I was gonna make the problem for the author, myself, the problem for these characters, like figuring out like, how do you even, uh, how do you even exist when you don't see yourself in the first place? And so that's a big question for Chelani. And um, and I did want to show that Chelani, part of his culture in a way, which may be less explicit, but it's that he goes away for college and he kind of takes on this culture of like liberal arts, you know, like mm -hmm. that culture. And then he tries to bring that back to a place like Miami, which is like not very friendly to that attitude in the first place, especially to a bunch of like actual immigrants, like first generation immigrants who had to make the decision to, a very difficult decision oftentimes to leave everything they know and move to a new country and make a life for their family. And for someone like Topper who, you know, did all that, not to say that he was the most present father, <laughs> but he, he builds, he, he builds, he's able to build a business over time and he's able to, in a sense, re finally rebuild his like middle-class life um, and Chelani comes home and is living in his, you know, the, the, the nice house that Topper built and, and Chelani only has criticisms of, of everything. And, um, for him to then criticize Topper and Sonia's decision to, to leave Jamaica, it's a very painful thing for, for Topper. Yeah. And, and, and that's where this kind of, uh, fallout starts, uh, for them. And so I, I, I for me, I wanted to, like, I'm, I'm less interested in trying to, um, trick people into thinking like I have all the answers as an author, but I am interested in, in posing these questions and, and showing that argument that um, these, uh, these different generations are, 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 you know, they tend to have with one another. Yeah. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Yeah. And, and thank you for walking me into this, right? Mm -hmm. Because one of my favorite scenes in the work shows Topper telling Trelawney and it's, and it's during like, downtrodden times in their neck of the woods right you know he tells Trelawney about certain parts of town that need to be avoided mm -hmm. and Trelawney you know mentions how you know there's no such thing as a bad neighborhood right and mm -hmm. and, and what's causing these things is you know white collar greed and and systemic racism right and, and Topper hates this because he knows Trelawney would not be able to talk himself out of a robbery by mm -hmm. talking about systemic mm -hmm. racism and white collar mm -hmm. greed, right? And mm -hmm. and one thing that we tend to talk about here a lot in BAPC land is like that gap or or maybe even this fresh space that exists between theory and reality, right? Mm -hmm. Where when when you first get into all these theories and all these new ideas, like I remember me when I first got into books and I read some bell hooks and I read some <laughs> Morrison. Right. And I read Ibram Kendi, and I'm thinking, oh, I'm the shit. Like, I have the answers right. to everything now, right? right? exactly. And, and it it really altered, like, how I viewed, how I lived. Like, like mm -hmm. the thing is, these ideas are one thing, and they're real. They're very real, right? Mm -hmm. But navigating them is completely different from, right. like, just our, our, our learning of these new words, right? And... Mm -hmm. I say all that to ask you, you know, um, if you could talk to us about the importance of never losing sight of like our lived existence when we get introduced to these new ideas, theories and perhaps environments as well. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. I, I think a lot of people, especially minoritized people who leave home to go elsewhere to get education, like we have a hard time going back, coming back home and actually um, relating to or being related to um, the, the, the people who we, we kind of moved away from, um, you know, our people. I, I think over time it, it can get better. <laughs> it's like, you know, you, 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 I, I know I've gotten better. I, I, I was certainly someone who um, became extra critical of, uh, you know, my circles in, in Miami after I, it wasn't really so much, like, I guess it started in college. I went to college in Miami, uh, but I did move away for, for grad school. Um, and it, it helped me grow a lot, but, you know, in a, in a sense, you eventually, um, do the full circle thing in a sense. Like, it's not that you, it's not that you are going to speedy, you're not going to grow and then regress into the same person like you, you started as, but I think you, in a sense, come to understand like why the people who helped you get your start in the first place, like why they started there. Cause for, for me, it's like, I, with the, or take it away from me, although I did write this character, but Trelawney, you know, he, in, in the same way that there's that conversation, he's saying, well, I know that it's white collar greed and ra systemic racism that's going to cause the crime to get me robbed in the first place and blah, blah, blah. Um, there's there's also this kind of difference between, like, the, the people I know in Miami who have, like, who are living nicer lives are often the people who have like the blue collar jobs and, and didn't go to college. And they, they saw that two plus two made four. And so they like added up the two plus two and just got four in a sense. I'm not saying it's always that easy, but those are the people who just, they, they knew they wanted a house. And so they, you know, they got a job at FPL. Uh, it's like our Florida power and light or, um, they they got involved in a, a tree service or they might have started their own you know landscaping gig and, and worked their way up till they could get more bids and, and, and make it make sense. Um, it's very it's, it's it's infrequent that it's the people who are like spending a lot of time in their head creating theories who are like living the, like the lives that they want. They're often like kind of you know miserable and um, kind of looking at like the way things should be and talking about the ways things should be, but aren't actually making a lot of change. They're not actually doing a whole lot. And so I, I wanted to, you know, a little bit have that conversation because as much as like I, the person in the book that I, I identify the most with is Chelani, but, but notice like Chelani is the one who, who just is down on his luck for, for all of the book. And I, I see that, I mean, for I've, I've been in so many graduate programs at this point and it's like i still at, at times wonder like but what can you do like what can you actually do what can you apart from this book like what can you make um and and so i to me i like i didn't when i left miami i didn't necessarily have that respect for that um that like that hustle that's just kind of like that that is grounded i guess in a sense it's it's practical it's it's pragmatic hustle um you know i worked my ass off to be able to have a, a book come out but um and i did a lot of grimy jobs like i'm not saying i haven't done that that stuff but i think um in terms of you know believing that you know education is necessarily like traditional education is necessarily going to 
like save us all like not in not in this current like model that we have i i think it's good education is good i believe in it but i don't think it's like that golden ticket um and that i think uh is something that i'm trying to show in the book as well with chelani he thinks he's going to come home to miami of all places with this english lit degree and actually be able to to do something with it and uh i show otherwise which is my worldview. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people will be like, no, sure, he could get this other thing. That hasn't been my experience. <laughs> hey, I like you. You like you was going to say something, Reggie. Yeah, no, I mean, I just, there's just something about like this, this naivete that like new information gives us that I just mm. love seeing. I love seeing yeah. it in real life and I love seeing it on the page and interrogating it and, and that's also part because I identify with it like I was saying right and so so by default I identify with Trelawney when you know he he's talking about that and I laughed like hard because mm-hmm. I was like yo this was me in 2018 yeah and after reading Beloved and shit yeah <laughs> I think um too so I, I thought like that. I have an English degree too, right? So <laughs> I thought like that, right? And then when I got, I made a, the, I guess the practical decision to like, okay, I'll be a teacher, right? And I even had this same thought that when, when, when I show up as a black man in front of these black kids, as someone who went off to school, you know, and I'm from like similar backgrounds, it'll work, right? And they'll be like, yay! And we'll be like freedom riders, and it'll, it'll go, right? <laughs> And I think that the, the missing element, and you alluded to it, is like stick with itness. It's not yeah. enough for for there just to be new information. I mean, it has mm-hmm. to be like, I mean, it 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 takes so much. It has to be programming. There has to be, you know. And and one thing that we talked about in in my specific school district is that you have to program the parents as well. Yeah. And so there was a lot of effort in there. And I think the naivete kind of comes from like the conversations you have when you go off and you're at school. Um, like I'm just thinking about like the conversation the white girls were having where they were like negotiating their whiteness. Right. right? And where else do you get to have a conversation like that? But in like a college town, you know, no right. one you don't get to negotiate, you know, your your race like that <laughs> when you're like when you're a semen finisher like my dad, you know what I mean? You don't have, you don't have, it's not, it's not even tied to your survival. It's not even tied to your day. And so I think that's something that's kind of, um, that that's really interrogated in Trelawney's, Trelawney, Delano, and Topper's relationship. You know, that mm-hmm. Topper, they always said like smart people never really get far because they're too stuck in their heads and they, mm-hmm. they think too, they have so much fear, right, about what might happen. And people Mm -hmm. who aren't smart have no fear and they just go after it, you know, Mm -hmm. and and oftentimes more so with what the world responds to. So I think that but I think it's it's just a wonderful conversation to always return to because there is a certain naivete about um, about what new information can do. And then when it and, and you you can both of you guys can chime in too when you when you get that new information. Right. And it appears to you because, like, you're in you, right? It appears to you that it worked for you. Mm-hmm. I think that <laughs> plays a part in it too, right? Like, mm-hmm. why can't they just do what I did, right? One hundred percent. Because my thing was, yo, like, 
I, I was a dummy before I read Morrison. Why don't everybody else just read Morrison? And then none of us will be dummies, right? And then none of us. Like I, I just thought I had the answer, yo. And, and yeah. it's just it's just so wild. Like the I guess what I'm what I'm kind of learning in this conversation is like, and I hope this is an insensitive word to use, but like the paralysis of new information sometimes. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, like how it just because I'm I've I've made it a duty to just move more and to just try more and to like mm -hmm. think less sometimes mm -hmm. because I know what too much thinking has done to me, you, you know? And it, and it's, it seems so like contradictory to say that because we embed like, yo, learn everything you can learn, right? Just, just keep learning, never <laughs> stop learning. We embed that in people and I, I agree with it because like, I, I love learning and stuff, right? But I, I've I've come to this place where I don't want to say I narrow down what I learned, but I learn what I believe will serve me at this point, as opposed yeah. to just learning to learn. Right, I feel like this right. makes Delano special, you know. Yeah. He's, a, he's a bit resistant to it coming to what's coming at him from three sides, right? You know, from from dad, from mom, and from like Trelawney and this American experience. I think mm -hmm. that's that's one of the things that makes him kind of work for me. Um as 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 like a almost maybe possible favorite character, you know, like that that he has that one liner. You have to be what you have to be. Oh. <laughs> he's using it on everyone cuz it's like, oh, hey, hey. Right, right. He's not going to get dragged dragged yeah. down into this conversation in the, in the first place. <laughs> Yeah. Which I think I think that's like you you mentioned that um, triple consciousness in a in a sense uh, in a way like Trelawney's the one who's grappling with those questions. He's like, well, maybe I have to, uh, you know, like in a sense, it's like who, what culture am I gonna assimilate into? Like that's one way to to look at it. Yeah, uh, Delano's like, you know, fuck it, I'm Jamaican. Um, <laughs> Chelani, you're black if you didn't know, but you know, it's, it's whatever, like you gotta, you gotta work. And like, that's why when we see him in his own story, he is just like, go. he's like, he makes a plan and he says, go, go, go. And, you know, it might be like a, a plan that goes left yeah. <laughs> and it might be a plan that, you know, maybe it had problems in the first place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I love, you know, that's what he makes him like heroic, the fact that he's just gonna go, go, go. And he has the uh motivation of trying to get his sons back. And um, you know, to me it was really important to have like in a in a book that's about fathers and sons, like have somebody who's gonna go to such lengths to try to um try to actually be there for his sons in a way yeah. that some of the other fathers are, are yeah. less interested yeah. in, in doing. This is part of the reason why even like Topper Flaws and All is a winner for me too, right? Like I, I just, I really, sometimes what happens with, and I was talking to to Kathea about this, right? Kathea is my girlfriend. Okay. And I was telling her, you know, I'm, and I'll bring it back to the books. I think this this relates to characters. I feel like we're so busy being black, we don't have time to talk about it. Hmm. Like, like so, so, so much of like, I think what racism does when it distracts us is it makes us talk about like who we are, right? I think a lot of times that is the distraction. And with like 
Delano, right? And even Topper, like when like when Topper says the thing about, you know, you're you're not gonna talk yourself away from a bullet by mentioning right. systemic racism, right? And then Delano, like early on, just saying, like, hey, you're black, you know, and just kind of like mm-hmm. trying to end discussion there is right. it's just like, look, we got stuff to do. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like 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 there's there's other things we can do, I promise you, that are gonna be like more fulfilling than like this this journey that you're going on right now. Um and yeah. I was even I was even enraptured by the conversation in, in Flux again where you know uh there's there's the piece where they're like hey do we need another black artist I even yeah. as much as I love the books as much as I want y'all to keep writing these books and who knows maybe one day you know who knows what I'll do right like I even like the fact that that's on my mind now you know, um, I just was enamored by by it all. Um, sorry, I know I'm all over the place, but <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, yeah, I appreciate that. I'm glad you you brought up that conversation. I mean, I don't know. Again, I mean, in a sense, those three when they're having that conversation, and then when when the Justin character joins the conversation, those four, um, they're you know, it may not be long lasting, but at that moment, they're they are in college and they're having that privilege ability to like step back and dissect like black responsibility in the 21st mm-hmm. century. And, um, you know, it's it's like nice and theoretical. And, um, Shalani's like, you know, yeah, we do, he and Justin are saying, yeah, we do need the artists to know to understand, you know, human lives are at stake, and yeah, this is, yeah. you know where we are on the board in terms of this this long journey that we uh we as the the descendants of slavery uh are on um but then he's got to go home <laughs> you know what i mean then he's got to go home and when he goes home like what he could have maybe used is some of that that hustle his brother's got that's just like i don't give a damn what you call me i'm i'm just going to get this money um but unfortunately you know he there's the there's the recession and you know things uh i, I think in a way there's a part of the book where it, it, he appears to be like kind of depressed and i think chelani in a sense has never been told like you're gonna you're gonna win at life i think delano has gotten the message like you can win at life just go out and get it and chelani's kind of like damn i was set up for failure from even before i was born um and and i think he revels in it in a in a sense i think he's addicted to it he's addicted to like doing things that aren't necessarily gonna help him and maybe make his life even worse um but i i think you know i think there's something to a lot of these conversations i mean with the delano character and the topper who are like we're not going to get involved in these conversations these national conversations about race and blackness um I think a lot of immigrants take that route and I think it does get them some pretty good short-term results. And I'm fascinated by that. Um, but I think it's like a sprint. I think it's a, I, I think that, that, uh, trajectory or that, um, I don't know that path, that, that theory, that uh, I'm not quite coming up with the word I'm, I'm thinking of. It's like that, <laughs> that particular toolbox can only get you so far. To me, that's a sprint. Yeah. That, that's not a marathon. And, and it might, you know, it might work for you. But what happens to your children? Because your children, if you're sticking around here in, in this United States, your, your children are going to be dealing with some stuff that you may not be preparing for the, them for and, and what's going to happen then. Yeah. And, um, and and so I'm interested in, in how we, um, you know, 
find some of that energy that over here and, and some of that knowledge over here and like bring it together in a way that actually works. Yeah. Uh, Cause I would love it to actually start working for us. Cause we, we as black people, we're articulate as fuck when it comes to talking about like all the systemic racism that's happening to us, but how do we start making this work for us? Yeah. Yeah. There was, um, is it, is it, is it on me, Reggie? I think this, okay. So well, that, that, that opens up like two questions. I saw, um, a uh a conversation around the death of a of a recent artist pnb rock um and they were talking about how he should you know he should have put his chains up etc etc and then there was this other thread they were just like well you know how about we just like figure out a way for us to just stop killing each other in general right Mm -hmm. and it, it was like how do we really like get at the root of the problem and try to figure it out you know and i think that's that is maybe where that lies, like when we can finally get those two pieces to kind of operate together. But I think yeah. what happens when you don't have the operation is what is kind of going on in this question or when you don't understand that's a sprint and you need something else. So in, in stories, a lot is made of white folks in their presence. And I remember Morrison um, <clears throat> being asked, like, where the white folks were in her story, to which she says, and of course, I'm paraphrasing. She's like, oh, they there. They just not necessarily centered they're like cursory like these right. they're like these mm-hmm. demons that exist on the fringe and and white mm-hmm. folks function much in the same way in your story operating like boundary enforcers in most instances where mm-hmm. there is like where there is much ambiguity as far as race is concerned with the family there is no ambiguity with race as white folks are concerned at least when it comes to the the business of othering people yeah. right mm-hmm. uh in in comparison to their whiteness and so, you know, I'm thinking in terms of the when when Trelawney is accused of plagiarism, uh, when he goes mm-hmm. off to the Midwest, um, and in his relationships with the parents of his romantic interests, you know, like mm-hmm. one of them was like he black, po- 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 he, he black, right? The <laughs> 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 question is, when when you uh, do you think this is true of your white characters, and if it isn't, can you pretend it is and tell me I'm right? about how they're functioning for entertainment purposes. <laughs> wow. Dang. I might spiral on this, this question. <laughs> Let me first, the first thing I want to say, which maybe is just me answering like a question that wasn't asked, but I, I, I love the part in, <laughs> that sound obnoxious talking about loving the part in my own book, but, but the part where the, the young women are at college. This is an influx, and they're saying, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, you know, don't worry, you're white. And then the one, the one's like about to cry, like, no, I'm white. And <laughs> and and, and, I, and I, I witnessed something very similar, like more than once when when I was spending my time in, in the Midwest. And um, to me, it's like the funny thing about that. It's, it's this painful, like momentary, like questioning of these these people's privilege. Um, but if they were to ever like turn around and look at you, yep. and you say like, "Well, hey, I'm a fully formed human being moving through the world too." And then they're like, "Not nah, like, no." Nah. <laughs> they're like, "Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on." Yeah. yeah. Um, they're like, "You, you know, the constraints of blackness for you is is how it should be in a sense." And I, to me, like, there's a lot of that going on in the book with the character, particularly the character like, like Trelawney. It's the other characters too, but he's the one who I think is most affected by people telling him what he is and what he's supposed to be. Um, 
and then sometimes like giving them like odd like supposed to be complimentary you know uh compliments i guess just you know saying oh you know you're you're surprisingly not ashy yes 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 <laughs> Uh, yeah, and so I mean, the, but all of that said, like I don't know. I, there's a couple of the the, the I, I, I honestly I didn't mean to set like white characters as the periphery of, of anything. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't mean for them to be like flat characters or or any of that. Um, to me, like one of the most fascinating characters in the whole book is is the Morgan character who yeah. appears in the the title story. Um, yeah. like to me, she is so many of the white women friends I've had <laughs> who are like super articulate about talking about, you know, that's, that's, that's racial profile. I, I see it right there. Like, let me put a name to it and let me be the one who gets to call it out and let me be in a sense, the one who gets to like use it for mm -hmm. i don't know what like a point system or to use it to empower myself use it to like get good ally points um and it goes well beyond that within the the book as as, as you guys know um yeah. it's it's used in <laughs> in, all, in a number of ways but um i i but i still see her like she she talks about her past and you know her past with a former boyfriend and her her issues with her parents and um you know, to me, she's like this really highly intelligent character who just she she knows how much power she has, how much power she wields over Chelani. And um, for me, that's such a fascinating character because like what in a, in, a, in a sense, it's like what what is somebody with that amount of privilege? Like, are they supposed to acknowledge it? Is it better when they acknowledge it? Or is it better when they pretend it doesn't exist? I, I don't know. But like for me, she's fascinating to uh, have Chalani spend time with dating. I think in, in one of those final scenes where they're just sitting on the couch together, having this conversation about, you know, her her wild boyfriend who wants all of these crazy, you know, sexual, racial dynamics to, to be happening um and and chelani's trying to he, he's trying to save a sinking house and he you know it's like their their priorities are so wildly different but uh to me it was a good time to to see them in a room together yeah i think about what you were talking about um in terms of her knowing you know being very articulate and then there's also too like this this want for power or want to be able to exercise power like in that one scene yeah. where where she's like, you worthless white boy, right? Um, mm. You know, I, and but the reality of that is, right, where the power really lies with him, you know? And, mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. that's what, the power lies with him, and that's why they're on that couch, you know? And, and it, it mm -hmm. is interesting. Exactly. It is an interesting scene, um, you know, and, and, and it puts the reader in an interesting place, too, to make a decision on what you want Trelawney's next move to be too, you know, um, yeah. yeah, you know, or, or how you want that to play out. And so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting to me that a, a character like Tim, who's, who's for listeners, like Tim is Morgan's uh, boyfriend or partner or fiance or whatever. And 
he has to, in a sense, like orchestrate um, humiliation and orchestrate uh, submission. Because the only way he's ever going to feel those things is if he pays <laughs> or he convinces people to play along in this act. Because he's because he has that much uh, power in, in in these dynamics. Um, and you know, I see I see these kinds of you know ads and seedier places of the in internet. And I, I sometimes like this this uh, story, this part of the book is really my imagining my way into like what what is that all about? Like why do why do all these white couples want a black dude to come like watch things or take part in things in this particular way? Like what are you trying to reenact? Like what is the exotic nature of that or what's the dangerous like in the, the supposed inherent danger of of the i mean with the racial component uh, of it um like what's going on and so i had to really you know, i didn't have to do anything but <laughs> but the way my mind works is like i'm going to explore like yeah what's this about because <laughs> america you got you got issues and i want to i'm going to get down to the bottom of it since when man's supposed to like job topper's father tells him um, the one time where Topper shares that he doesn't like the work that he does with his father's uh, company, right? This statement is something that I've been interrogating more lately as I think of the possibility of even doing books of pop culture for a living, right? And reckoning with the fact that if I do not do this for a living or something book-related for a living, there's there's a chance that I may not ever be at a position in life where I'm enjoying, you know, what I do for a living, right? And this also sits along with the new thought that I've developed where, yes, I love BAPC, but there is two separate lives that I now live within my bookish life, right? I have my work life, right? But then I have like my pleasure life. Can you speak to us about the idea of work as we know it? if there is any room for pleasure in it, right? Can you also speak to us about survival? Because there's plenty of room for survival in work as we know it, but I want to know if survival takes up too much space for pleasure to even have room in the idea of work as we know it. Yeah, as we, as we know it, um... I, I don't I don't know that that might be a, a question that's like a little bit uh, over over this author's head. Um, <laughs> I you know like I, I've spent you know so long working on building a, a writing career, but you know ninety nine point nine percent of the people I know or have come come into contact with directly wouldn't consider that work. You know what I mean? They they consider that like I don't know at best like a passion project, um, yeah, yeah. And it, it's you know maybe it, maybe it becomes work after they see the fruits of your labor in a sense. Um, you know, like when you're a beginning writer and people ask um, where. I mean, people who have never read a short story after high school will say, "Well, where have you published?" As though there is anything you could, you know, actually name that they're going to recognize, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, mm -hmm. and, and so, um, 
you know, that's what like I've been geeking out about like some of the like New York Times press because I'm just like, ah, like now I can say some shit that you're gonna actually recognize. <laughs> but, but so that you can see that I've been working, you know, all these all these years. Um I think I do admire the fact that some people who really don't take direct pleasure from the work they do, that oftentimes I find these are people who have like hobbies, like rich, um, rich lives in terms of uh, recreation. And I, I think sometimes, knowing myself anyway, um, it's hard for me to, like when people say like, what's your hobby though? <laughs> you know, it's like, I spent all my, like, I, I don't, I've gotten back into video games and, and shout out, shout out to my own girlfriend who kind of like, she, I find my joy with her. And in yeah. terms of like, she'll be like, let's just do something fun. And it's like, yeah, like fun. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's like, you know, I, 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 I've gone years. I've gone like from 18 to like 40. And, you know, it didn't really, cons everything's been about work. It was either working multiple really crappy jobs or it was about making my entire life about writing. And I don't think I, any of that's healthy without, um, without finding joy that you can kind of escape into. Because, you know, when you have the flow going in your writing, like that, that, you know, there's nothing better than that to me. But there's a lot of work that happens around getting into that state. And for me, like an escape to just play some like racing games on my Nintendo Switch um, or fight my girlfriend in Mortal Kombat, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, for, for, for me, like I, I love being able to escape into those things. And so there, there are I find that a lot of people I know who work traditional nine to five jobs tend to be able to it's easy for them to disconnect from work. I, and trust me, I understand, like, it's different if you say the person who always wanted to be a doctor, always wanted to be a lawyer and actually became those things, you know, those those jobs that you're you're kind of always on. Um, but but there's again, you you've put you you at least have that satisfaction of knowing you went on this journey and said you were going to do a thing and you did it and you created that that world for yourself. But if you're someone who just kind of went out and got the job that you know, it, it, that, could, that could be replaced with just about anything as long as it pays the bills. Um, I, for, for a lot of those people, I, I just admire the way they're able to shut it down. I, I'm also going to be wondering, you know, once things, if, well, when things quiet down with the book, you know, it's like, and then what do I do? Because I've been, I know, I'm, I'm, I know I will be working on my, my next book. Um, I, I know that because I signed a document uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> I believe it's called the contract mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> suggests that I may be kind of sort of oh uh, <laughs> another book um, but other than that you know it's, it's there's still that question of you know but what are you gonna do though and how are you gonna put your mind at ease that you know whatever's in the bank account isn't just gonna run out on you and then you're gonna be you know basically where, where Trelawney is uh, in the book. And that's a, yeah. that's a constant there uh, that, you know, when you've, when you've lived check to check or very meagerly or, you know, less than check to check, um, 
I, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for that day where that goes away, where that fear goes away. Maybe it's a good thing to have that, that fear a little bit, you know, a small, a small dose of that. So, smidgen. A smidgen, right. Just yeah, to make yeah. sure that you, you do in the literal sense, uh, survive. Mom, dad, and Jason are whom you decided to, you know, dedicate. Um, if I survive you too, I know you spoke to us a little earlier about, um, dad and, um, you know, once again, sending, all love and positivity your way. Um, can you talk to us about, you know, um, him, mom, and Jason a little further and just why you decided to dedicate um, If I Survive You to them? Yeah. Uh, I couldn't have written the book without, you know, uh, the experiences that I, that I had. I, I was, uh, first of all, I should preface this by saying it, this is a fictional book. Fiction means, you know, like <laughs> there's truth there, but there's, you know, it's made up. It's the like the the container for the truth is is made up, is dramatized. Uh, any uh, like real things that you see are coincidence, right? Something like that, right? Yeah, yeah, right. I'm sure some, you know, somebody wrote that in there. <laughs> but um, yeah, man. I mean. You know the 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 things I, I put this part in the in the acknowledgments. Like my dad was a very like if it didn't make dollars, it didn't make sense. And he was he was very pragmatic in everything, every decision he he made or any piece of advice he gave. And I think uh, you know I know I'm, I'm really I'm really grateful for that. I I think I moved through the world with you know put my my internal you know calculator or or uh whatever device helps me figure out what i find logical that's i i'm, I'm so grateful for that because even in terms of like choosing like what what are you going to spend years writing about like i, I think uh, some of us who consider ourselves artists sometimes we think artist is synonymous with just writing whatever and just like you know feelings today blah 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 and it's, you can make calculated decisions too mr artist you know yeah. you can you can also um you know decide like what's going to be able to sustain you for all the years that you're probably going to have to spend if you're going to come out with a book at all you know it's going to take you some time uh probably and and so making calculated decisions you know what's what's not i don't mean like what's going to be relevant to the market but what i mean is like you know you you might be thinking you're going to follow some trend that's on right now and likely that's not going to be the trend uh you know a couple of years down the line so and even if you can write fast publishing is slow as heck right so you're going to sell your book today and then it's going to come out in two years probably or, or maybe 18 months um and so, you know, being being a little bit smarter and writing things that are going to be like sustain the test of time, that's that's something you can uh, you can calculate. So anyway, my dad was somebody who was very like logical and um, and very pragmatic. My mom, on the other hand, was is, is someone who's a dreamer. She she dreams she, every time I talk to her on the phone, like she's got a dream going. And and I think you know. If I were pure logic, I, I don't think I would get into like art and publishing and and all of those things. You know, you you have to be able to dream your way forward. Um, and uh, insofar as the book is is doing really well, um, you know, knock on woods, to, 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 to this day, it's 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 hitting a lot of the the goals that I that I have for it. Um, 
you know you have to your it's your your imagination um and let me let me put it this way at one point i was living in in subsidized housing and i was like uh about 19 20 already married supporting myself and my my wife at the time and our little like ghetto that we were living in you know it it was all it was for a minute even though i'd seen like a little bit more like at least zip code wide i'd seen a little bit more but after a while you know after a couple of years living there it was kind of like this is life like this is you know um like the crazy crap i'm seeing the garbage scattered everywhere like this is all there's gonna be and i had to at some point imagine my way out of that circumstances and um you know that's the tool that my mom really really gave to me um and my brother my older brother he's somebody who i was a really introverted kid who uh was quiet and didn't really know how to like live in the world, I think. And to, to growing up, my brother was like, because like with these immigrant parents trying to suddenly, you know, make it in America, they, we were latchkey kids. And so there was, you know, like my brother was the one who taught me how to ride a bike, you know what I mean? Like my brother was the one who, you know, taught me a lot of things that uh, might have otherwise been, been taught to me by, by my parents. Um, and, you know, I wanted to definitely kind of honor that. And, um, you know, when he's only four and a half years older than me, but he, he, he was like my closest role model. And so some, some of that was like me doing like the good things he was doing. (laughs) Sometimes it was doing the not so good things that, you know, that he thought was, was the best to be doing. But, uh, you know, I I don't think I would have made it here, uh, without those i mean i wouldn't be here in the first place but i wouldn't have made it to this point in my career without those three word word shouts to all three man shouts to all three um music that you've been listening to and enjoying lately yeah uh i mean the i I kind of vacillate between um it's like my spotify life where I don't even necessarily know all the names of the artists, which I kind of feel bad. <laughs> I've got um, I've got this running long playlist. I just call it my like Sunday mood playlist. That um, it's a bunch of reggae artists. There's like Egyptian and Jakir on there, and Barris Hammond, and, and all these people I, I kind of either grew up with or, or, or came to after a while when I was still buying CDs. And then I've got all these like Afrobeat um, artists who are who are on it um like like i can remember like party at 11 is, is on it um uh feels is on it and then a ton of other people that you know bless them <laughs> and they 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 enhance my mood at, at, at all times but then the other part of me that i, I kind of go to is um i'm a big radiohead fan and i got like the radiohead on vinyl kind of thing and um especially like this past week or two i've been listening to a lot of a lot of radiohead and i can their albums i can kind of listen to front to back so um i i really love that uh and lastly shout out to uh beyonce of course, <laughs> that, of course. that um alien superstar has mm-hmm. been like my morning like Okay, we got we gonna take over this day, you know, like dance in the shower maybe <laughs> with the speaker going. 
yeah, that that that's yeah, that's my that's my joy. Oh <laughs> uh, man, the conversations we've had about Beyonce. Okay. I love her. <laughs> pop culture. She moves me. Something <laughs> 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 like that. <laughs> uh, TV and or film you've uh, recently watched and enjoyed. Yeah, I'm a TV addict. Like I go through. Like you give me three hours and I'll somehow watch like <laughs> nine seasons. <laughs> like don't do the, don't do the math, but somehow I'll make it happen. You know, it's like I'm watching on fast forward or something. Yeah, I yeah. just rewatched uh, BoJack Horseman for like okay, yeah, yeah. I love that show. Um, the new joints that I'm into, um, I'm, I'm falling into this. I guess like fake fantasy medieval times that are provided by Game of Thrones, uh, the whatever the new one, the fire, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> our, our new House uh, of Dragons. Uh, yeah, House of Dragons. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, it's so different and it's a different pace. Yeah. Uh, to the you know Game of Thrones as as us viewers mm-hmm. uh, experienced it, but I like that. You know, it had had they tried to do the same exact thing over again. Um, I don't think I personally would have been with it. I like that there's this like really sh- like slow build with this one family, um, and then obviously the you know, the other peripheral families going on. And yeah. uh, I'm, I'm pretty with it, but I also like the Fellowship of the Ring. I think yeah, the- I was the Rings of Power. Rings of Power. Thank yeah, you. yeah. I'm um, the resident fantasy head, so I got okay. You. All right, I appreciate <laughs> that. I appreciate that, and I love. Like it disheartens. I can't even read articles because it'll just upset me. But I love how Rings of Power, and the you know to to whatever extent the the Game of Thrones joint. I forgot the title already. Uh, oh, but I love how they're like you know they got black folks, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not just black folks uh, diversifying things. But um, honestly, I, I I was feeling maybe naive because I was watching Rings of Power and I was like. I didn't even notice that there was kind of like a difference in casting from the the films. Mm-hmm. And then I started like, you know, reading like articles kept popping up on wherever, like, oh, there's all these people who hate this. And I'm like, damn, still. Yeah, it's <laughs> wild. It's, like, it's so you crazy. Know? And it's so wild that you, like you look around, like you as these people, I'm making assumptions about where they live. I don't know. Maybe they live in really homogenous places, but it's just the fact that you think it's more believable that there are no there are no people of color and black people and all that stuff. You think that's the more believable reality that you're now going to write in and, and and complain because you're seeing a diverse cast? Like it's tough, yeah. What kind of upside down world, like like glasses are you are you looking through? It's it's, it's nuts to me, um, yeah. you know. But that's that's how I see it. They, I'm enjoying they, those. Yeah. They they upset about House of Dragon. They upset about Rings of Power and Little Mermaid. They upset about Little Mermaid. Really tough time to be a white. Really tough time to be a white American. You know? I kind of want to read the ones for the Little Mermaid just to oh, be it's like, good. Oh, just to be like, oh, you mad? You mad? <laughs> it's good. It is good. It is hey, good. Uh, Somebody was like, wait till they make Kiki Palmer uh Snow White. It's really yeah. just, <laughs> <laughs> really just I said Kiki Palmer and what's the guy's name from South Africa? Uh, Noah, Trevor Noah is Peter Pan. It's just gonna just just <laughs> annihilate 
their childhood. But yeah, it's wow. It made me want to go read um the we talked about it on the show, Reggie, but the Octavia Butler uh, essay that we discussed that time. Yeah, we were talking about like this, this this crazy assertion that there are no black aliens or that all aliens would just look like white people and they're just <laughs> this like this idea there are no black people in the future, right? Like it's it's just yeah. wild. Um, right. You know, like you said, regardless if you live in, because I live in a very hom- homogenous area, right? Mississippi is like the blackest state, and I came from like one of the blackest cities here. And even I know, if, even I was not, it's crazy, we are not as moved, right? Like, it was just like, okay, cool. cuz got a nice fade, you know, ears kind of long, right. and you just kind of right, move right, on. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they were like, where's his long flowing <laughs> tresses? It's bad enough that black doesn't crack. Now they live as long as our elves, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, it's wild. So yeah, yeah, but they're, they're both you, you, really you, good. You ever notice though? There's like I'm still kind of mad at the like the because there's that scene. I don't know if you saw whatever the the, the last episode I saw anyway. They got mm-hmm. the elves like basically enslaved um, to dig this tunnel. Yep. yep, and and it's like the orcs. Who are like whipping them and and um, for me was wild is like that same conversation that these trolls are, are are having about like this is what is it they like to call it like this is PC this is too PC or this yeah. is wokeness now they say wokeness for everything mm-hmm. they, they you know they just apply that to anything that anything brown is wokeness mm-hmm. and um, but what's wild is like there's this enactment of like slavery happening on the screen, and it's like it has to be like an orc. It's like this, you know, still like these these darker bodies like orcs yeah. that are doing it, and it's like like because the, the last time I saw something like that, like that was more closer to reality. It was actually it was like white people who decided to force a bunch of other people to to do to do the digging. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it's it's so wild that somehow they're like. No, we are the pure. We are the pure elves <laughs> who yeah. live forever. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's it's wild. wild to me. It's wild. You know, it, it's it's the whole thing. It's there. We should. I'm hoping for more. I wish there was somewhere to. to I said this very quickly, but to merge like um, the scholarship that happens around stuff like that with the public discourse. You know, like yeah. when people like are able to like go get that, like if I make that Octavia Butler uh, essay available, that there's some mm-hmm. way of pushing that down and, and letting that exist on the Twitter sphere. You know, um, right. I think we're doing some of that work, but, I, you know, I just I wish yeah. to open the conversation up more. There's, it's got to be yeah, it's got to be accessible to, to people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. that's, that's the only way it's going to really uh, change the culture. Yeah. Um, a book. You've been reading and enjoying. Um, so I'm reading like what I'm really right, right, right now reading um, is "Night of the Living Res" by Salty. Mm. Yeah, and this is this is so dope. Like the, um, I'm a fan of the book "Jesus's Son" by Dennis Johnson. Yes, and this is like Jesus's Son on on the res. Like it's got that wow. humor. It's got that like that crisp uh, language in a sense. Um, a lot of people are like chasing their highs and doing these like um, just kind of subtly like 
interesting things. I'll, I'll call it interesting things. I, I haven't finished it yet, but it's it's I'm loving it, and um, I'm a, I'm a, I'm also a fan of stories, obviously. And so when I see uh, such an impactful uh, collection coming out, and and one that's like deserving of of all the praise that it's getting, uh, I I really I, I love to see it. You know, I want to see more of it. Yeah, short you short story authors gotta stick together, <laughs> man. We do. Together. We, we, we honestly do. Yeah, no, I love to see it. And um, an author whose work you wish was read, discussed, and or taught more. Uh, I wish ah, this is hard because like the ones the ones who come to mind immediately. Um, you know they are the ones who are who are taught. I, I still wish they were taught more. I still wish, I wish Sula, you know, were were taught to me earlier. You know, like high school age. Um, I wish I didn't have to like, you know, find it in both find it in college and find it in uh, African American women studies class. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, because it's and 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 I wouldn't you know this, Sula's not a book that I would hand to any English teacher and say, and say teach this you know what I mean like it has to be the right teacher in a sense yeah. who understands something about like what the takeaways are from from that book like the moral complexity there where you have a character and that you have these two this friendship where you know one is more conforming to. Uh, the patriarchy conforming to marital expectations and, and in a sense doing things right, but also doing like a really, you know, effed up thing. And then you have someone who's just living free and she's, you know, the pariah and she's the one who's getting all the criticism and, um, you know, such a, such a wonderful book that every time I read it, it's like, I get a little bit more. It's like, I like when I first read it, I wasn't smart enough to read Sula, but I still needed it to get a little bit smarter. Um, mm. And I love, a, I love a book like that. Um, the fire next time, I, you know, Baldwin, I, I never was assigned it. I wish, you know, eighth graders were, were assigned that book. Uh, cause it, it really situates like what is, um, the current state <laughs> as long as, as long ago as this was written, what is the current state of, of America like, and, and Baldwin kind of breaks that down in, in uh, what is it like? Like no more than a hundred pages, I don't. I don't think. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, my my, you know, a major influence for me what, for this book in particular, especially, uh, was Nella Larson, mm. and um, mm. uh, she. People know her for for writing Passing, but um, I think a little bit lesser known is, is Quicksand. Quicksand, yeah, 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 and I and that was a major influence for me to the way that she wrote about. Uh, the nuances of, of race and um, black womanhood uh, was so powerful for, for me. I don't think I could have written this book without having read that. And, you know, that's that might be more like a selfish read <laughs> or like it aligns with the way I've moved through the world, kind of, uh, even, even as a as a man uh, kind of read. Um, but, yeah, I, I absolutely would uh, love for that to be uh, in, in any you know, in any way, shape, or form, I'd love more people to, to read that book. Yeah, no, and those are all good answers, by the way, because ultimately, right, like you could have said, and not, not saying you would, but you could have said Great Gatsby for all I care, right? I mean, it, it's all about, like, you know, your opinion, you know, on, on that question, mm -hmm. and I think that was a really dope answer. 
especially the Sula piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sula, uh, Sula and Beyonce, two things that have a very, <laughs> very deep hold on me, you know, very deep hold. You know, um, so a short story collection or a short story. Now, if you say Kane, I'm just going to say we just we can't be friends. That's going to be three. If you say Gene Tumor's Kane. Oh, <laughs> hey, I, I, I hope not. But uh, yeah, I was a short story or a short story collection. That you wish were read, taught, or discussed more. I'm gonna say uh, Leslie Neka Arama's "Who Will Greet You at Home." Mm, okay. Um, to me, as a as a story, like that, to me, I think that's one of the best stories ever written, and oh. um, I, I think it's so phenomenal. Like it's a it's a kind of strange world to us where these these babies come into the world in these different ways where mothers have to create them out of, you know, out of whatever materials they have. And then maybe they've got gold, they can make a gold baby. They've got, you know, scraps of paper. They can, they can try to do that. Um, and this character is, uh, she's been made of like dirt and, and twigs, if, if I remember correctly. And, and she feels that she is unworthy of love because of that. And, um, and, and that sends her to to do kind of uh, bad things. Um, that that kind of you know I'd call it like a misunderstanding of the how the world works, but maybe you know that's her understanding. And um, just the way like the need and the love, or the the lack of love, the the yearning for love um, to be able to exist between her and her imagined baby, it's so potent. And it's done in just one of the more original ways I've, I've ever seen. And um, yeah, it's just a, a perfect story for me. And that's that's within uh, what it means when a man falls from the sky? Is that what Thank that you. Yes. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yes. Gotcha. Yes, yes, gotcha. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell us who you would like to see as a guest on Books Are Pop Culture. But this person has to be someone who you would be willing to help us connect with in the event that we may need <laughs> getting connected. Yeah. Um, have you had on, I, I would love to see him on the show. I don't, I don't know if maybe you had him on. Um, uh, Nana Kwame Ajay uh, Brenya, yes. author of Friday Black. And I know he's got a new book coming too. So like, that, I think that would, if you haven't already had him, that, that would align. Um, I think yeah. he's really, He's a dope writer. That's you know that's another story. I could have I should probably could have just said you know Friday Black because that was one where when people are like and I hope people don't do this to my book, but but when people say like this is the book you have to read, I'm like I might buy it, but it takes me a long time to actually get around to reading that mm -hmm. book. And so his was one where I was like. I'm gonna buy it, but <laughs> I'm gonna keep staring at it on the the bookshelf and then. I don't know if it was like a couple of years ago now when I when I read it, I was like, yeah, every single person who told me about this book was was absolutely right. Yeah. Um, and then he's he's just like a, a lovely, you know, I've been fortunate enough to to have met him. And, you know, uh, he he'll like shoot me like good advice sometimes. He's just yeah. like that uh, open and generous of a, of a person. Yeah. Um, so and he's just like 
he's just dope in all in all these different ways. So I think he'd he'd be like really great for this uh, for this series. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, we would love to have him on uh, Chain Gang All Stars. You know, that's around the corner. So, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. we'll, we'll can't wait for that. I know you mentioned you're working on another book because you signed a piece of paper that says <laughs> in two books. Uh, but maybe anything else that you're working on outside of that that you can share. Yeah, um, launching a book takes a lot of energy. <laughs> so, I'm, you know, in the back of my head, I keep saying this, like, I've, I've in interviews, um, particularly written interviews, I've been given like fake novel pitches, basically, because I want to protect the one that I'm working on. Uh-huh. And um, I think people are actually starting to believe some of like the foolishness <laughs> that I'm coming out with. And I might I might have to circle back and actually write one of those books. <laughs> That's you so know, happy. one day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but, you know, I, I have like constant uh, story ideas, to be honest. And so um, I have a couple stories that I've written that are not in this book or, or part. They're not promised to any any one project. And I, I find I'm building stories around those. Um, and I'm building them in my head and I'm building them on my, my phone, my notes app. And... Um, so I have a feeling that a next story collection is probably, uh, probably coming before, before we know it. Yeah. Um, nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and um, and how can people like follow you like on social oh, media? Yeah. Yeah. I'm at J underscore Escoffery, spelled as it is on the screen here. Um, that's where I'm at on Twitter. Uh, Instagram is Esco out in play. Um, if you type my name in, you'll find me there. Uh, that's pretty much it. You know, I update my website, jonathanescoffrey.com pretty frequently. I'm on Facebook. You know, I don't, I don't always know why I'm still on Facebook, but <laughs> if, you, if you send me a friend request, I, I'll probably, I'll probably accept it. Word, word. Nah, your IG <laughs> name is definitely like I, I love that play on words. That's called out and play. Um, and I, I love it you, until I, until I have to like spell it out or you know explain like <laughs> you know what I mean like uh, E S. There's an underscore, <laughs> and then another underscore, and I think maybe a third underscore. Yeah, yeah. it looks better than it. Yeah, Sorry. <laughs> um, I know. I know. Jonathan says he hates this, but. You have to get, yeah. you have to read <laughs> If I Survive You, which he wrote, because um, it, it is, it's it's funny, it's complex, it's special, um, and, it, and it does just great work for my favorite genre, uh, which is short stories. So thank you um, for writing yes. this, Jonathan. Thank you for spending time with us. Um, this has been wonderful. Um, for Jonathan Scoffrey and Achilles Missouri, I'm Reggie Bailey. This has been another edition of Books of Pop Culture. We will see you next time. Take care. Yes.